Welcome today um, to Raising Drug-Free Kids. We are really thankful to again be partnering with Lisa Berkey and the West Bloomfield Community Coalition to bring these amazing programs to our families at Hillel. So thanks to her, this program, along with many others throughout the school year, are able to happen. And this one in particular is going to be delivered by somebody who I respect so much in the field of mental health. Her name is Lisa Kaplan. Her official title is Program Coordinator of Maple Grove Community Education. So she works for Henry Ford Maple Grove Center. Um, and she, like I said, is a social worker. And what she's going to talk about today is how you can start now instilling the messages and behaviors and knowledge in your kids. So when they do become of age in their teen years, they're already prepared to resist substance use. So with that, Lisa can talk about this way better than I can. So I'm gonna turn it over to her and we will also have a handout for you um, at the end. Right, Lisa? So just wanna let you know where I'm coming from. So I'm a social worker at Henry Ford Maple Grove Center, but I've been in the field of addiction since 1993. And I've worked with, with parents, with teens, um, and with adults who have addictions. So I just want to let you know that what I've done is I've kind of compiled lessons that I've learned along the way to share with you. Um, so I will tell you that with the parents that I work with, so much of the time I think to myself, you know, it does, doesn't start now. Okay, the things that you should have done years ago would have prevented what you're going through now. So you guys, I, I admire you for being here and you're certainly, your kids are young enough that absolutely this is gonna be helpful, I hope. Okay, so I just wanna let you know that being Jewish is not a protective factor. Um, a lot of people think that it is, but there's plenty of Jewish addicts and alcoholics and um, people who are struggling. So unfortunately being Jewish is not protective and neither is going to a private school. So I will tell you in our adolescent program, there have been times when the majority of our kids came from private schools, including Jewish schools. So um, even as private school is not a protective factor. And there's no guarantees in life about anything, but, and there's no guarantees that even if you do all the right things as a parent, that your child won't end up having an addiction. And we certainly hope not, but there's no guarantees. So what I'm gonna do is share a bunch of information in no particular order. Feel free to jump in, agree with me, disagree with me, whatever, ask a question, whatever. Okay, so um, beginning with teaching them about information on labels of prescription medication. So for example, someone has strep throat, they're on an antibiotic, you know, pointing out to them that this is a prescription bottle and it's got a name and it's got a dose and a date and a, and a, and the only person who's allowed to have this medication is the person whose name is on it. And we don't share it with other people. Okay. That simple message is setting the groundwork for at, for when they get older and they might have an opportunity to um, use a prescription medication. Okay. Another one, you, you want to make it clear that they don't take medication from anybody except their parents or somebody that their parent gives permission to like a babysitter or a grandparent Okay, I will tell you, I've interviewed kids who had a headache in math class and a friend said, here, take this. And they took a pill, had no idea what it was, 
but their friend gave it to them, so they trusted their friend. Okay, obviously, negative consequences resulted. So um, you want to make it clear who they can and cannot take medication from. Okay, another one, a protective factor is having family meals together as often as possible. Now, during COVID, you're probably doing that more than you ever wanted to. But in when we're not in COVID and there's sports and there's activities and there's, you know, after school stuff, not every family is able to have dinner together every night, but it doesn't have to be dinner. It could be breakfast on, you know, Saturday. It could be lunch on Sunday. It doesn't matter. But a protective factor is having family meals together. Another one, when your child has, has handled a tough situation well, give lots and lots of positive reinforcement. Um, not only to them, but let them overhear you talking to grandma about what a good choice they made or, you know, how they handled a tough situation because you want to give them as much positives as you can. Um, giving a clear message that no illegal drug use is allowed in your home, okay? And that includes alcohol. It's illegal for them, not for you um, because um, we want to make the consequences clear ahead of time and reinforce often. So you wanna give them the message that you are a law-abiding family, we don't allow illegal drugs into our house and um, we don't use them. So, so repeating that message. Um, give, raising your kids to believe that you follow the law, um, that you, and, and you wanna to talk to them about what are the consequences? Well, you could get arrested, you could go to jail, you could be involved with the courts. And even maybe giving the message, and don't laugh at this, but I said this to my kids, you get arrested and end up in jail, don't call me to bail you out because I won't. Okay, so you, you can say that if you feel comfortable. I said it because I meant it, but only say that if you mean it. You wanna to explain to them about the laws. So um, anybody under 21 cannot drink alcohol or use marijuana legally. Um, so you wanna make it clear that we follow the law and our family and I expect you to as, to as well. Um, consider creating a culture of no alcohol use in your home when it's not holidays. So obviously with Passover, you're going to have, you're going to have alcohol. Um, but for them, it should be grape juice, right? For you, it can be wine. Um, so, so let me tell you this. We have had parents who have had collections of alcohol at home and not kids this age, but what the teenagers will do is they'll get into it and they'll take a bottle and maybe drink half and then fill it up with water so that you, you know, so it doesn't look like it's not full. I'm not worried about your kids now, but as they get older, you want to have a very, very good lock on your cabinet. Even if you trust your kids, they might have friends over or you might have babysitters over. Okay. So your kids could follow the rules for sure, but you want to make sure nobody else gets into it. Moving on. Don't even let your kids taste alcohol. Because you're going to be giving them the message, no alcohol use for you under the age of 21, but here, taste mine. Okay, you're giving them an inconsistent message. So you want to keep the messages consistent. You want to be a good role model yourself regarding um, your health, regarding following the law, and regarding substance use. So to drink, we, we call it drinking responsibly. Okay, and nowadays marijuana is legal, so using marijuana responsibly, which means a little bit once in a while, and not doing dangerous things like driving after it. Um, get professional help for yourself if you need it. So there are many parents who need help and don't get it. And that's going to impact their kids, and their kids are going to grow up with some 
um, significant psychological problems where they might turn to alcohol and other drugs to cope. So you wanna get yourself help. Um, if you have a history of addiction in your family, you want your kids to grow up knowing that, okay? Because they were born at a high risk, okay? So it's no different than me. I was born into a family with high risk of heart disease. So I knew all about heart disease by the age of 10. I knew about cholesterol and I knew what I had to do to keep myself safe and healthy and keep my weight down and exercise and all those things. Kids who grow up, grow up in families with addiction need to know that they're at high risk and that really they need to be told if you don't start using, you will never become addicted. But if you start, you could be, um, you could end up having problems. So they need to know that. Um, as they get older, um, you want to let them know that, yeah, your friends are going to be doing stuff. And, you know, for them, it might be a little bit safer than you because of your body chemistry and your genetics. Um, another one, you want to teach your kids the difference between tattling and reporting. So tattling is telling on someone to get them in trouble. But reporting is talking about a health or safety issue. So letting your kids know that if anybody in this family does anything that's dangerous, I want to know about it. And that doesn't just mean using alcohol or drugs. It could mean driving without a seatbelt. It could be hanging out with the wrong people. It could be, you know, leaving the door unlocked at the house. Okay. You want, you want them to know that you expect that they are going to report on their sibling, not tattle, but report. And same thing with their friends, because if they don't report, and something tragic happens, now they've got to live with that. And can they live with that? So for most people, it would be really tough. Okay, do you ever role play with your kids? So like, let's pretend I'm your friend and I try to talk you into doing, you know, cheating on a test. How would you handle it? So role playing situations is really helpful or just asking them, what would you do if this happened? How would you handle it? So you want to teach them to deal with peer pressure and you want to teach them what we call refusal skills. Refusal skills are ways of saying no. And when, when Kim gives you the handout, there's about seven or eight or nine of them. I'm going to whip through them real quickly, but you want to make sure you go over these with your kids, even at age seven, because they can use them. They're not going to be asked to use drugs at age seven, but they might be asked to do other things wrong like steal from a store or cheat on a test or bully someone. And they need to know what we call refusal skills. So one is saying no, like you mean it. Clear, good eye contact, clear, firm voice. Okay. Another's to walk away. We all have feet. If we stick around, we're likely to get talked into something. But if we get out of there, it's likely that we won't. Avoiding situations. So if we know that everyone's going to go over to Kim's house um, after school today to smoke a cigarette, if I go, I might smoke. But if I avoid the situation and I don't go, then I won't. So asking your kids, instead of doing that, where something could go wrong and somebody could do something dangerous, what could you do instead? And the answer is anything, you know, avoiding the situation going somewhere else. Um, teach your kids if they have a funny personality, and most kids do, to use humor, to make a joke out of things. Because the kids who are asking them to do things wrong are kids they know. They already know their personality. They already know their sense of humor. So being silly about it, but still saying no. 
um, changing the subject. So you asked me to go, you know, go to Target so you can steal a candy bar. I could say, I don't want to go to Target, but hey, let's go play a video game or let's, you know, walk the dog or let's go to the park. Um, a lot of kids do things wrong. And I remember this from when I was a kid because they're bored. There's nothing else to do. So if you have your kids think ahead of time about a better idea, what, what are some better ideas I could come up with? You know, watch, watch a movie, you know, play a board game, whatever it may be. Um, blaming your parents. We all have people in our lives who are authority figures and you wanna give your kids permission to use you as an excuse why they can't do something. So if I did that, my mom will kill me. She'll, you know, I'll lose the privilege of TV for a month or my dad won't let me, you know, play soccer anymore or whatever it may be. But it could be a coach that they blame. It could be a principal. My principal will, you know, will suspend me. My teacher will lose respect for me, whatever it may be. But everybody has an authority figure in their life that they can blame. Um, how about this one? Give a reason why you can't do what you're doing. And the reason could be because it's wrong. I don't feel comfortable. Okay. It's against the law. So you want to, you want your kids to start feeling comfortable saying those types of things to their friends to give a reason why they don't want to do what they're supposed to do. Okay. Another tool is to look for teachable moments and they're all over the place. If you happen to be driving in a car and somebody next to you is smoking or vaping, you can talk about that. Um, see that guy, you know, do you think that's healthy what he's doing? What color do you think his lungs are? You know, what kind of health problems do you think he's going to have because of this? Okay. Or you're watching TV and there's a story about a drunk driver, you know, talking about how dangerous alcohol can be and how to protect yourself from that. So just looking for teachable moments in your life. Um, another one is to monitor and restrict access to media for younger children as, as long as possible. So kids, I mean, I know that technology is the thing nowadays, but the younger they are, the, the, lo the longer you can wait, the less they're going to be impacted by it. Okay, so there's, you know, letting a younger child watch a movie that is too advanced for them, probably not a good idea. So you want to delay that as long as possible. Um, getting professional help for your kids. We talked about getting professional help for you, but getting professional help for your kids as soon as you recognize that there's a problem. Because kids who have untreated mental health problems like depression, anxiety, ADD, okay, they are very likely to self-medicate with alcohol and other drugs. Okay, They don't wanna become addicted. They just wanna feel better. But what happens is very often people do become addicted and it doesn't help them to feel better. It does at first, for a short period of time, and then it and then it stops working, and things get worse. So you want to get them professional help. Um, there's no shame in that. There, the stigma from when we were all kids is a lot, lot less today. So getting help for your kids at a young age is the thing to do. It's what a responsible parent would do. Um, you want to educate yourself so you can educate your kids. So if your child had diabetes or heart disease or asthma, you would do so much research and you would be an expert on those topics. Well, it's the same thing with any other problem like addiction or mental health. If you suspect your child has an issue, you would do the research and become an expert. Okay. 
Um, when your children are not with you, although they're probably with you all the time now, but when they're not with you, asking questions about their activities when you weren't present and showing an interest in, your, in their lives and sharing your experiences as well. So when you ask your child, you know, tell me what you did in school today. When you slept over at grandma's, what did you guys do? And then saying, let me tell you about my day. I did this and I did that. Um, because what you wanna do is you wanna keep the lines of communication open and you wanna be very well aware of what they're doing in their lives. Um, you want them to think that this is normal in a family to exchange this information because it is, it's healthy. Um, now, what about this? Your child wants to go play at a friend's house. You don't know the parents. Do you call the parents? Check them out? The, the right answer is yes, you should, okay? Um, because you wanna know about this parent's rules and you want them to define supervision. What you think of as supervision and what they think of as supervision could be two different things. Um, I know there are parents who ask, do you have a gun in the house? You know, do, do you lock it up? Do, do the kids have access? Okay, um, same thing. I know parents will ask about alcohol and marijuana as kids get older, not at, not at you know, seven, 10 or whatever. But you wanna ask about this and you have the right to do so. Now, as kids get, get older, they're gonna say, no, no, don't call, don't call. So then you give them a choice. Either I call your friend's parents and maybe you can go over there or I don't call and you don't go. It's up to you. Okay, and you give them the choice. Um, another one is you wanna encourage only healthy friendships and you wanna give them permission to end unhealthy friendships. So a lot of the kids who go to Hillel grew up together. You know, they, they live in the same neighborhoods. They've been in school since they were young. They go to camp together and their parents are friends and it's like this big group. But as they get older, some of the kids might be making choices that are not always in the best interest of your kid. So you want your children to um, be able to end friendships if they're not healthy for them. And you wanna encourage them to do so as hard as it is, we all know how hard that is because we've all had to do it, but you want to let them know that this is the right thing to do to take care of yourself. Um, you want to encourage assertive behavior, okay, and saying no when they're uncomfortable, even to adults. So it's okay to say no to a teacher. It's okay to say no to your doctor, to your next door neighbor, to your friend's parent. It's not okay to be rude, but it's okay to say no. And saying no is an assertive thing to do when you're not comfortable. We don't think that you have to go along with everything an adult asks you to do because you're setting a child up to be abused, to be taken advantage of and um, to be in a pretty vulnerable position. So we want our kids to be able to say no comfortably, politely, respectfully, of course, but comfortably. So you want to encourage that and allow it. You wanna set up rules for your kids far in advance um, so they grow up knowing the rules. So saying, look, if I find out, you know, if I ever found out that your friend came over and stole from us, we'd be calling the police, okay? Or if I found out that your child, you know, you had brought a friend over who was drunk or high, I'd be calling their parents, okay? You want them to know ahead of time that you're gonna follow through and do the right things. Um, you want to teach, this is really important, healthy ways to cope, okay? Healthy ways to relax, to combat boredom, and to cope, especially nowadays. Really, really important. 
So, you know, things like exercise and yoga, meditation, listening to music, art, talking to a friend, it's really, really difficult. So how do you teach that? Well, in part, you're going to role model it. Instead of coming home from work and saying, I had a really rough day, I'm going to have a beer. Okay, saying I had a really rough day, I'm going to go out for a run, I'm going to call a friend, I'm going to do some yoga or meditation. So you're modeling better coping skills. But what we're finding now with parents is parents often say, how can I teach my kids to cope? I don't know how. So you need to learn coping skills just like they need to learn coping skills. Um, for the younger kids, you want to educate them. Um, the word root beer doesn't have beer in it. It's pop. It's okay to drink. Rubbing alcohol, you don't ever want them to drink that. Okay, you want to explain that it's to you know, clean wounds, but you never want to drink it. It's like poison. So educating them from a really young age. You also want to empower kids to think for themselves and speak up for themselves. So ordering food from a restaurant, des describing what kind of haircut they want, um, deciding what kind of clothes they want to wear, what after school activities they want to belong to. You want to give them as much say in that as they can. Okay? Because speaking to a waitress when you're ordering a meal builds confidence. A waitress is a stranger. And so you want to give kids the feeling that it's okay to talk to a stranger when mom and dad are here and ask for what you want. Okay, same thing with getting a haircut. You know, they need to learn how to communicate with adults who aren't their parents and their teachers. Um, you want to have a code word with your kid. You probably, many of you probably already do this. So if somebody's going to pick them up from school or from, a, um, from camp or from somewhere, um, you want to make sure that they know that this person is approved to do that. So your code word could be ice cream. Okay, so I send Lisa Berkey to pick up my child and my child doesn't really know her that well. She could say, oh, my mom told me to, told you to pick me up. What's our code word? Well, if Lisa knows the code word, then we know she's probably a safe person. Okay, so probably a pretty good idea. Um, you wanna share stories about your life and the good and bad choices you made, especially the bad choices, the times you got in trouble, the things you did wrong. So why would you want your kids to know that? Because you want them to know that you weren't perfect either. And that, and what you learned from these experiences and that you survived them and you grew up and it's okay. Okay, because they're gonna do things wrong and they're gonna need to know that they can come to you and confess when they did things that were pretty stupid or you know dangerous or whatever. And we want them to feel like, okay, well, I'm not talking to someone who's perfect either. Okay, really important that they know that. My kids know that um, I threw up in front of my whole fourth grade class, okay? And it was a horrible experience for me. And I talked about it. And of course they laughed at me, but it wasn't funny to me, but we talked about how I got through that. So um, now if something happens in school, to, if something happened in school to them, they would feel like, oh, mom's been embarrassed in front of the whole class. So I guess I can talk about this. Okay. When you visit the doctor or the dentist, um, you want to talk about how to take care of your body. Okay, um, Vaccinations, every time you take your kid for a vaccination, we want to talk about the importance of taking care of our bodies and only putting good things into our bodies and staying safe and healthy. And we want to talk about how that includes not using things like alcohol and other drugs. Okay, Really important to keep ourselves safe. 
We want kids to learn to stop and think before acting. So a lot of kids in preschool learn about a traffic light, you know, uh, green, yellow, and red. We want to teach them to have that little traffic light in their head. And sometimes instead of just going, sometimes you need to stop and think. We want to teach them who the helping people are in their life. So obviously, if they have a problem, we want them to go to their parents. But what if for whatever reason they can't? So you want to talk about who are other people in their life that they can go to. It could be at school, a teacher, a counselor, you know, anybody at school. But the problem with school is it's closed in the summer, on weekends, on holidays, and on evenings. So school personnel are not the only people who should be on their list. Maybe it's their best friend's father. Maybe it's the next door neighbor. Maybe it's a rabbi or, or a coach or somebody, um, you know, grandparents, somebody in their life that they have access to. So what you want to do now is talk to them about who would you go to if you had a problem and you couldn't come to me? Okay, and let's brainstorm that so that they have it on the tip of their tongue. They don't have to think about it if there is a problem. And of course, you want to revisit that often because the people in their life could change. Okay, um, what about this? Teaching them, really important, the difference between good and bad touching and stranger danger. Um, I know that that sounds very obvious to you. Most parents do that, but children who have been sexually abused have a huge likelihood of becoming addicted as teenagers and young adults. There's a huge connection between that. So absolutely, you want to avoid that. And that means, you know, being really careful about whose house they sleep over at and teaching them the skills they need to say no and to, um, you know, get themselves out of uncomfortable situations if they're in those situations. Kim, did you have a question? Well, I just wanted to add to that. So um, a lot of the things I've been reading over the last couple of years in terms of strangers is that um, not to use the terms like stranger danger necessarily, but more informing your kids about tricky people because sometimes strangers can actually be really helpful and and talking about stranger danger can make them fearful about doing those things like you're talking about, Lisa, like feeling confident to order at a restaurant or talk about their haircut. So um, talking to them about tricky people makes that distinction between, you know, some strangers are okay, but there are also some people that can act tricky and actually could do things to you that aren't nice and aren't good. Um, so if anybody wants more information about tricky people after, I'm happy to send it. Okay, I like that. I think you're right. Um, the other thing is there are people, you know, kids need to be taught that if somebody's puppy is missing, an adult is not going to go to you to help you find the puppy, help them find the puppy. Okay, if an adult needs directions to the local, you know, a local business, they're not going to ask a kid. Okay, so letting them know to, that these kind of situations um, people look for to prey on kids. Um, you also want to make it clear that um, when you hear the term bad guy, a bad guy could be a woman. Okay, so you want to make it clear. And a bad guy, bad guy could be an older child or a teenager. So you want to make it clear that the bad guy could even be someone they know and they just don't know that they're bad. So, so you want to let them know, you know, you want them to um, have their, not have their guard up to the point where they're hypervigilant, but certainly to raise awareness that not everybody has your best interests at heart and how you want to handle that. 
okay? And lastly, if you learn nothing from me here today, learn this, hold them accountable for their behavior, okay? Right now. So don't get between your child and the negative consequences because right now the stakes are low. As they get older, the stakes are higher. So your child doesn't do their math homework and they want you to quick help them do it in the morning before it's due. The consequence of not doing your math homework last night when you were supposed to is that now it's between you and your teacher and you're gonna have to deal with the consequences of not handing it in, okay? Your child regularly forgets their lunch at home. This is when you're going to school. Regularly forgets their lunch at home. You could bring it to school every day for them or they could figure out how to handle lunch when they didn't bring it and maybe help them to come up with a plan of how are you gonna remember to bring your lunch every day from now on, okay? Help them come up with a plan. Don't do it for them. Um, things like as silly as this sounds, they go to someone's house and they break a lamp. Not intentionally, they're playing football in the house or whatever, and they break a lamp, okay? They need to pay for the lamp, not you, right? So how are they going to pay for it if they don't have money? They're going to do chores to earn the money to pay for the lamp, okay? Instead of just parents bailing them out, okay? So things like this are really, really important. I can tell you that the kids that I work with, the kids in our adolescent program, haven't been accountable for anything. Their parents, most of them, bail them out of every problem they have, um, and they it doesn't help them. It does not help them in life. So let them experience their negative consequences. As hard as it is for you to sit back and watch and not want to help, um, you need to because it's part of growing up. So instead of saying, okay, here's how we're going to solve this problem for you, saying instead, so Kim, how do you think, how are you going to solve your problem? You know, what are your ideas, right? I'm not saying you can't help your child, but you certainly want to elicit it from them, right? And once they successfully handle a problem, then you want to give them a lot of positive reinforcement about how they took responsibility and how wonderful it was that they came up with a plan and that they followed through and that they handled it well and how very proud of you they are. you are. So on that note, does anybody have anything else you want to talk about? Any questions, comments, situations that you're going through? Does anybody find that your um, there's like peer pressure among parents or like competition among parents to be the cool parent or to, um, you know, to be more well-liked than anybody else? Hi, uh, my name is David. I'm a new parent and I just, um, I don't have any questions. I just want to tell you just how terrific and helpful this was. And thank you so much for, uh, for doing it. I mean, I don't have any questions just because I, t I got so much from this, like both in tons of both specific things, but also um, a few, like some general themes, like you said, accountability, um, so on and so forth that were just super helpful. I, I mean, like, can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. So I just want to say thank you. Okay, nice of you to say, David, you're going to get a handout from Kim that has all of these listed. So refer to it over the years, because as your kids grow, you know, you're going to come at it from a different perspective. Well, that's great. Thank you for that. Okay. Lisa, I'll just say that the technology piece, I'm David as well. Um, I find really challenging, especially with quarantine. 
of like knowing that there's so much even and even things that are rated for young kids technology wise I find is not always appropriate and me as a parent balancing the fatigue I don't know that you have suggestions around that but it's just it's it's and then the cold on top of it is just like keeping kids off of the technology I find is more and more challenging yeah um Lisa Berkey do you want to address that well, I can put um, a website in the chat that you can go to. It's another speaker that we have, and she puts her um, speaking notes in there, um, and people are welcome to go. Um, and we, uh, for West Bloomfield Schools, I just did a, an electronic footprint program for elementary parents, middle school parents, and high school parents. So you'll see in her notes... Um, uh, you'll go to the resource page and you'll see her notes there and then you can see suggestions for what you're looking for. But what I was um, going to just put one point into what Lisa said, she said, you know, um, to talk to other parents and make sure you're on the same page with them. Just remember as your child ages, um, parents, um, what their thought process, you might think you're on the same page with someone today and then the next grade you're not. So just stay in, in touch with those parents just because, you know, maybe in fourth grade, your guys are the same exact thing. And then in their mind in fifth grade, oh, they can do whatever they want. And that's not your thought process as well. Yeah. And I'm not sure you mentioned this, Lisa, but to talk about, um, you know, because marijuana is legal now, just being careful when kids go to other people's houses about um, possibly having edibles out. Yeah, very good point. So everybody understands that that you can put marijuana in cookies and brownies and candy and cereal and other things. And some parents might have it, you know, in a bowl out on the counter or on a plate like you would a plate of cookies. You want your kids to make sure that they're trained to ask before they take anything, okay? Because edibles um, with kids can really impact them. Their bodies are not mature enough to handle the, the amount of marijuana that's in it, the THC. So that's a really good point. Um, you absolutely wanna tell them that you don't eat anything at someone's house unless you ask first. And you don't ask the kids, you ask the adults because the kids may not know what's in it. So you don't want to just say, you know, hey, there's a brownie on the plate. Can I have it? You want to ask the mom or the dad, may I have a brownie? Okay, because they might have a separate stash of brownies for the kids. And these are adult brownies. Good point. Kim, did you want to say something? Well, I just wanted to, you know, tell David our kids are similar in age. And I'm sure he can hear me even though he stopped. Hi, David. That like... So I've taught digital citizenship to our students at Hillel, but I just wanted you to know that like, I too struggle with that. So it's definitely not something that is specific to you. And I'm a social worker and I know everything, well, not like Marnie does, but I know most of what there is to know about being safe with technology. And um, I struggle very much with not just um, length of time, using technology and using it to fill boredom, like Lisa was talking about earlier, but also the apps and the ratings that are approved for kids, like I'll all of a sudden hear something and I'll say like, that's not appropriate, you know, turn that off. And then my son Hudson will be like, I didn't know, I didn't know they were gonna say it. So like, it is a theme that's going on in our house, David, regularly. 
Well, you're not alone. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. I have the answer, but you're not alone. But I would have to say that we, as parents, you need to go easy on yourself. This is something that is out of the ordinary and, you know, don't be too tough on yourself because it's all brand new to you. Um, you know, that they're learning all day on the internet and then uh, the access. So as a parent, don't beat yourself up about it. Um, just move on and, and, and learn from it. Anybody else have anything you want to talk about? An issue that you want an opinion on from other people? Okay, this sounds crazy. All right, so I am completely comfortable with being the very last parent in the grade of my, and I'm not, I'm a Hillel um, staff member. I'm not a Hillel parent. Not that that's relevant for, for this next part, but just for context. Um, I'm completely comfortable with being the very last parent to give social, grant social media access to, to our kids. I'm completely fine with that. I've already said that, that my older one already knows. And hey, Hetsy. And hi, buddy. Hi, and, I'm saying hi to you. Hi, buddy. Um, but my question is how this is so sounds going to sound silly, but how do you keep your kid not cool, but how do you keep them from not being pinned as like the dorky one, but also resist the social media, which I think is really important. Like I don't want my daughter to potentially, or either one of our girls to be potentially like made fun of or anything like that because they don't, they're not in, engaged and involved yeah. in social media, but at, the, but at the same time, I'm, I, that's, I'd rather have that than the things that they could dabble into, um, which is inappropriate. And it's really tricky. Bruce, can you turn that off? Please? Um, okay. So I think you, that's a great question. It's, I, I couldn't articulate it, but I think you understand what I'm, I'm no, saying. I, I think I get I want it. Them to be but, accepted and, and I want them to feel accepted by their peers and well-liked by their peers, but very quickly, even like the, the kids, the, the, the kind kids and the good kids might use that as some sort of gauge of whether someone's cool or worthy of being friends with or whatnot. And that feels uncomfortable. Okay. So you are right. Some kids might judge them based on what their mom decides they're going to do or their parents decide they're going to do. So what they need to be is they need to be comfortable in their own skin enough to handle situations like that. So how do you get them to that point? You share your, you share your reasoning behind what you're saying Okay, why you believe this, and you want to build up their self-esteem in other areas, and you want to role play with them. I'm going to be a kid in your class, and I'm going to make fun of you for not, you know, having a cell phone or whatever it may be, and how are you going to handle that? And they're going to say, well, I don't know. Okay, so then you switch roles. Okay, you be the parent. I'm going to be you, and make fun of me, and show, let me show you how I would handle it. Okay, and then you role model it, and then you switch it around. But the bottom line is a, a child who is secure and self-assured can handle any kind of criticism at all. And they're going to get criticism. I mean, what kid grows up without it, right? Everybody gets teased. You know, you're wearing glasses or you're overweight or you're whatever, right? So what we have to do is help our kids to be resilient and handle whatever comes their way. And they have to know you can't control other people. You can only control yourself. So and my husband comment. Oh, sorry, go oh, ahead. 
I was going to say, I know my, my son is 22, but when he was in high school, he was a sophomore in high school, he still didn't have social media. The only reason he got social media is because he went, I went to a speaker and they told me if he didn't have social media when he applied to college, that they would think he was hiding something. So I made him as a sophomore in high school, get it. <laughs> And only That's use how normal it is, right? That's how typical it is. Yeah. Nine, I think I just, um, I just created a piece for high school. I believe it's, I can look up the statistics for sure, but like 92% of employers will look at your social media and about 50 some percent of admissions officers look. Oh, wow. Kim? Um, Lisa, in the beginning, you spoke about this, I think, as it relates to not engaging in like substance use. But would this also apply to Donna's question about blaming somebody else? So like, yeah. obviously Donna, like, you know, your daughters love and adore you and would never disrespect you, but you could give them the green light in front of their friends to blame you and be like, my mom is so annoying. She will not let me do it. It's so dumb. It's so weird. I don't know what her problem is. And obviously, like, she would never, Donna, actually say any of that. Because I know, I know both of your girls and they would never. But in the role playing, you can give them the green light to do that and talk, talk about you in a way that you know they don't really feel or wouldn't otherwise talk about Kim, you. Kim, that was the, my go-to growing up. And it still comes in handy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and, and I can tell you I'm married, and now I can say when there's things that I don't want to do, Steve Steve really doesn't want to do this. And I love it. I love having a reason to, someone to complain about, you know, someone to blame. Lisa. Okay. But, but truly in life, I mean, think about this. Even as adults, we all have people who are authority figures in our lives. We have bosses, right? We have rules we have to follow. So, you know... I don't see anything wrong with them using that. Now, a kid who's really self-confident is going to say something like, you know, this is how my parents feel. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I agree with that. Okay. But how many kids are going to be that secure at 10 or 12 to do that? Yeah, some might, but most not. So I got to tell you guys a story that I read. There was a boy who... Um, was dropped off at school by his mom, and she gave him a big hug and kiss goodbye. And of course, all the 12-year-old boys teased him. Your mom kissed you, you know, ooh, you know, she's a girl and all that stuff. And this kid looked them right in the eye and said, I have the best mom ever. She hugs me and kisses me every day, and I love it. And she's fantastic. And you can tease me all you want. I'm, I'm good with that. It burst their bubble. They never had, to, they never said anything again. So um, in the 12 step programs that we teach at Maple Grove, we say, fake it till you make it. So sometimes you have to fake being really secure and confident. So teaching your kids that as well. Okay, guys, well, thank you so much for coming. So Lisa, you're gonna send me the handout and then I can send it to everybody. Okay, well, thank you everybody so much for your okay. time. Thanks Thank for joining. And if you have any follow-up questions for me or for Lisa, you know where to find me.
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome.